leaving it to chance is an interesting concept. And our contributor, Adam Kuntz, makes a great point. To not decide is a choice too. When near the end of life, there are good, accessible resources to guide your caregivers within scope to adhere to the choices you want and in your best interest. Portable medical orders signed by your doctor are designed for patients living with a serious or chronic medical condition to honor your wishes no matter where you are. Let's listen to Adam for more information. Well, Adam, you know, I want to talk now about what happens when things are unplanned, when perhaps we don't have the time or we have not made the time to plan in advance. Um, You know, where do we stand and how do we ensure that our wishes are honored? Certainly, unexpected things happen to all of us, as you touch on. And uh, when we talk about advanced care planning, it's part of what's driven this shift of focusing on what's valuable to you, uh, what brings you joy and meaning, because that's consistent, right? right? You always know what brings you joy or meaning. We don't always know what lies around the corner of a serious accident or an unexpected medical event, like a heart attack or a stroke. And so when we talk about advanced care planning, it can be um, almost impossible to truly predict the future and know when this is going to come up. And so as patients talk about this and plan and prepare, talking about those values will help that team be better prepared to handle the unexpected. And as a healthcare team uh, at Nova Health, we're certainly going to join with you Uh, in having conversations, whether it's with you, the patient, when you're able, or with your champion or whoever you've designated, uh, to talk a little bit and explore what the patient's values were. You know, I know um, just recently on this channel, you you had Deb Love on talking about shared decision making. And so I think that's a a great example of, of kind of how we'll partner with patients and their families to explore how the unexpected has come into being what the values of the patient are and what the options are from a medical perspective and work through that process. Um, I think one of the other things I think about, Randy, when you talk about that, that I think it's important to recognize is that for a patient, when we talk about advanced care planning or a member of the community, to not decide is to make a decision. That's a great point. So if I choose not to engage in advanced care planning today, then I am making a decision. I'm making a decision to leave some of that, um, not entirely to chance, because like I said, we have a state statute that guides us on who will speak for you. But I'm leaving some of that to chance in that I trust that my family knows what I want. And I've had a lot of people over the last 12 years, Brandy, tell me, oh, well, you know, I don't need to worry about that too much because my family knows what I would And I can also tell you that in eight and a half years in the cardiac intensive care unit, I sat down with a lot of family members at the bedside that felt a lot of stress uh, or were tearful because what they felt in that moment was we never talked about this and I'm not sure I know what he would want or she would want. And so even when we think we know our loved ones really well, to suddenly be in that unexpected situation uh, can be can be confusing or, or can throw us. And uh, as I mentioned, we, 
we have a lot of team members that then can enter your story, whether it's a social worker, a chaplain, our, our nursing team members, uh, our providers, uh, physicians, uh, that can help navigate that process when the unexpected comes up. But the more we can talk about your values and preferences upstream, the easier those conversations are when the unexpected. Right. Now, Adam, I know there are some other documents related to this type of, of care um, and respecting our wishes. So can you talk to us about the most and post forms um, and portable DNR forms? What are they? And, and when would those be um, engaged in my care? Great, great question, Brandy. And the, the portable DNR form or in Virginia, it's called a durable DNR form. And th those vary state to state, uh, have been around for quite some time, are, are the more traditional form. In a lot of states, the newer forms that have come out, although they're not really new, are, are what you reference in the, the most post or, or post. And again, the name varies by every state. But I'll kind of try to clarify that. So in North Carolina, we call it the most. And that stands for medical orders for scope of treatment. And so the first thing to clarify a, a, a distinction here is that we talked a little bit about a healthcare power of attorney and a living will that's a legal document that you complete well in advance. And it's springing in the sense that it sits there and doesn't come into play until you lose capacity or the ability to speak for yourself and in that document and, and other certain criteria that are in the document that didn't come into play. The most form or a, or a durable DNR or portable DNR, these what we collectively call portable medical orders, are actual medical orders. So it's not a legal document. This is an actual medical order signed by a provider. And so the, the key distinctions there are, uh, one, it doesn't require uh, a notary or, or a lawyer to complete these documents. Um, but these documents are also a, a little more, uh, are more specific, more targeted in terms of do you want CPR or not want CPR if your heart were to stop? More specific to conditions. And so because of that, one of the things that I wanna make sure I mention about these is that we often say these are designed for patients, intended for patients, who are living with a chronic or serious medical condition, who are probably closer to end of life than many of those patients that we talked about earlier. Uh, kind of a, a general way to think about it is a, a patient who may be in their last year of life. And part of that is because of how specific these documents get about whether you would want CPR if your heart stops. The most form and other forms like it in other states also goes on to talk about artificial nutrition and hydration um, or perhaps antibiotics and the scope of care that you would want. So it lists specific treatments. For the sake of today, the other key distinction that I'll make about uh, the portable DNR, the most form, is they're intended to travel with the patient. That's why we call them portable medical orders. And they're designed to do that to ensure that whatever that patient's values or wishes are related to CPR um, or, or attempting to restart the heart if your heart stops can be honored no matter where you go, where, where you are or where you go. 
So if you're in the hospital, we often have an order in the computer that tells us what you would want related to that. We call it a code status. But if you transition out of the hospital to a facility or you go home, then that code status obviously isn't going to be with you. And so these, these forms, these portable medical orders are designed to take those wishes with you in a documented way that uh, emergency medical technicians, if you call an ambulance or someone else calls an ambulance for you, can appreciate, recognize, and honor to make sure that we still understand your wishes and your values. That, yeah, that was a great distinction. You know, Adam, I'm, I'm wondering, is there ever a situation where your advanced care plan could be in conflict with your most form, for example? It, it, would there ever be a situation where you know, your champion may want to supersede your, your, your most form or vice versa. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. You, you talk about kind of what, what would happen if there's contention or something seems different. And I, I think there's certainly potential for that because of what we talked about earlier, where a person's preferences or choices or values may change mm -hmm. depending on where they are in their journey. And so you mentioned the most form, but I'll also speak about a living will, for example. So I completed a, my first living will about seven years ago and it's still acting in, in my early thirties. Is there a possibility that by the time I'm in a hospital facing a serious illness that what I thought I would have wanted when I was 32 would be different. Absolutely. Um, and so there's a potential that that may happen in a way that I'm not able to speak for myself when that comes, but maybe I forgot to think about updating my living will. Right. But my wife, but my wife has had conversations with me and as my champion, she knows that maybe my preferences have changed a little bit since then. And so a lot of uh, current living will documents have uh, actually have an option on them where you can indicate if my healthcare agent um, and this form disagree, and then there's checkboxes for follow this document or allow my healthcare agent to guide that care. Right. And different people want different preferences with that because some people complete a living will really for the purpose of taking the decision-making off of their loved mm -hmm. one or family member. And so they want to say, follow that document. You know, I've made my choices and I've made it clear. And if we've revisited it again, early and often, hopefully we're keeping those documents and, and the notes in our chart and things up to date around those decisions. But for other people, they say, I can't predict the future necessarily entirely. I can talk to my wife every day. So I want to make sure she has the ability change that decision um, and whether the, the a living will or or the most form um whether they can be um overridden um or revoked uh, by a family member does differ from state to state and so it's important to talk to someone within the state that you live in or the state you're receiving health care in um, to understand that, especially if you were living with a chronic or serious illness and have these documents uh, in place. Um, but it's also another opportunity where I'll kind of circle back to the, the previous uh, 
podcast about shared decision-making where oftentimes as, as shared decision-making consultants, we may be called in to help navigate that conversation of, well, we see a document that we think says this, and we hear you saying this, let's talk about that and figure out where the right uh, decision lies for this individual. Great. That, yeah, thank you for that distinction. Uh, I think that was really helpful to understand, you know, sometimes as you get your affairs in order, you know, things just evolve through your journey. And so I, I wanted our listeners to be very clear around what their options are and, um, you know, what the positions are for the folks on their team. Making your wishes known for end-of-life care may seem difficult or even a little bit of a sticky situation if your health is deteriorating. But the bottom line is that no one wants to leave it up to chance in those final moments. Providing your family with less stress and spending your last days or even moments of life with peace when it comes to your care is precious and you have complete control to make it so. Thank you for listening to Patients as Partners and all of the other Novant Health podcasts. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, or anywhere you choose to listen to us. Until next time, I'm Brandi Edwards.